Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to TK's A Brigade, the music series. I am your host, TK. And the artist I have to share with you today is a local Colorado boy. He's actually from Fort Collins. His name is Tim Elliott. Now, Tim and I met each other back in 2000 when I was working at a bar in Fort Collins called Archers. Now, Tim and his wife used to come in on the Thursday night blues jam open mic sessions and just kick butt on stage. And then they started booking shows with their own band, Wall of Dogs, and that was a fun time. So we're going to dive into that episode now. Keep in mind that I did record this before Christmas, so there are references to Christmas in this episode. But I hope you enjoy it as much as I enjoy talking with Tim. So tune in now, listen up, here on TK's A-Brigade. Today I have an old school friend on with me, Mr. Tim Elliott. Go ahead and say hi. Hello, all. So for those that don't know, you know, back in the day I worked in a bar in Fort Collins called Archers, and this was kind of a, what would you say, like a country rock blues kind of bar, Tim? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. That's yeah. Right. And what's interesting now is that bar actually went from it turned into a dojo, and then now it's a like a Hobby Lobby store. Have you ever gone by there and looked at it? I didn't know it was a Hobby Lobby store. Actually, I live in Loveland now, so I'm not down that way that often anymore. But I was not aware of that. Yeah, it was interesting because I uh, a couple of years back I went in there with my son and looking around, and it was funny because they've completely remodeled the place, right? I mean, it's like a uh-huh. you know a Hobby Lobby kind of store and. And I remember because, you know, I played in a band, too, before I was even a bouncer there. And I'm walking around the store and I'm like, in this spot, I broke up a fight between like three dudes, you know. So it was just kind of funny. But uh, so, yeah, man, so I wanted to jump on with you today and just talk about your music journey and, and you know, where you started, you know, kind of where you uh, went and then where you are today. So. Yeah, man. Right whatever, on. whatever you want to talk about, man. So, but I want to start first. You know, how did you start with music? What uh, what got you into playing music? Well, I would say that when I was around twelve, I started to really notice rock bands. Up up until that point, you know, I was I collected forty fives and stuff like that. I'm, I'm dating myself a little bit. But, <laughs> okay, um, all right. Was, but you know, it was just it was more random stuff. Like I had all the TV shows I loved had a theme song. I had all those forty fives. I had like. I liked John Denver. I had it was just random stuff that just kind of stuck out to me. But when I was around twelve, I started really noticing. Someone gave me a Kiss album. Oh that boy! Was, that was really the thing that kicked it off for me, and it, it really has never been the same since then. Okay. And then after them, I started just noticing some of the great rock bands of that era, and uh, started really getting into it and and buying albums and stuff. Okay. Um, are you from Denver, so, or I, so I should say Colorado? Are you a native? I am a Fort Collins native. Oh boy, Foco native, yes, man. Nice, yep. nice. Okay. When I was in seventh grade, I started. You know, up to that point, for a few years, I'd taken some piano lessons, sort of forced by my mom. I wasn't really that into it. I always had a teacher that was older that wanted me to play music that I you know, would give me music to learn that I couldn't relate to, and I just never really enjoyed the piano thing that much. But in seventh grade, my parents let me. Uh, sign up for junior high school band and and I picked the snare drum to play oh boy and that uh, that was a little bit of a leap of faith on their part to uh you know, <laughs> the drums to, yes to say, yeah, bring, bring a snare drum into the house sure. every 12 year old should have a snare drum oh right? yeah oh absolutely <laughs> but uh that that was a, a a pretty good experience you know I was in school band for a number of years and my, my previous training with reading piano music made that really pretty easy to to negotiate. 
And by the time I was 15, I was starting to um, fool around with playing in bands. Uh, I had a couple of friends that were guitar players that had like an old beat up drum set in their basement. I would go over and jam with them. And I, once the bug bit me, it was it bit me hard. And I just couldn't seem to get enough of that. I, I begged my parents for the longest time, and finally on my 17th birthday, my dad bought me a drum set. Oh yeah. You know, do you remember was, the um, Do you remember the brand? Like the, yes, the, I, I absolutely. It was a it was a wine red CB 700. Okay. Okay. A, a lot of the drummers of my age group, you know, that was a popular uh, lower end brand at that point, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the drummers of my age group that I know started off on those kids. And it sure. was a decent little five piece and I was so excited to get it in and I'll never forget telling my dad, Okay, now I got this drum set that you bought for me. It was like five hundred bucks, which was, you know, pretty pretty good expenditure for him at the time. Sure. And and I said, Now I need symbols. Oh man. He, I, I'll never forget the look he gave me, like, what? Like a set of hi hats cost half as much as this whole drum set. <laughs> but but to his credit, he did buy me a, a good set of hi hats and I eventually you know, collected a few symbols. Oh yeah, yes, I've that, been there. But. Nice. So you're 17 years old. You got your first drum set. What? Uh, what? Where? Where did your journey like really start to take off as far as like playing out, playing big shows? Well, when I was um, about 18, I, I was jamming with a guy that I was in high school with. The year after high school, we started started really getting after it that him and I and he knew some people from out of state that he was convinced he could talk into moving to Fort Collins to be in a band with us one of them happened to be Jeff Scott Soto who is now a a somewhat famous and notorious vocalist Um, he started off with Ingrid Malmsteen's Rising Force, and he's done a ton of other things. He did. Uh, time, he was Journey, right? He he took yeah, over. He was. Yeah, I thought so. He was, and he just he just came through with the Trans Siberian Orchestra. Too. Yeah, I saw, saw that him at Ball Arena. Yes, but somehow Jerry talked Jeff into moving to Colorado to check out this band that he had going. So the first band that I played in that actually played in any live music venues that wasn't just someone's garage or someone's living room was. It was it was called Seducer of all things, and it was you know a typical '80s kind of you know this was like 1984. So you know if, if you picture what in your mind what all the bands look like in 1984, that was oh us. yeah the hair band Ze- yes hair, hair bands Central. you know zebra stripe spandex and like the most ridiculous looking outfits you could possibly think of. I love it. But, but that was really inspiring too, because at the time, all those bands, all those hair metal bands, were current, and that that music was all current. So uh, we learned a whole bunch of stuff from from all the great, you know, uh, not all of them were metal, but you know, stuff like Maiden and Dio and Judas Priest are still some of my favorite metal bands. And um, so we we did that for a couple of years, and then Jeff went back to California and immediately auditioned for Ingve and joined Rising Force and recorded the first two albums with and went on tour with him. Oh boy! So I didn't realize that I would never, you know, it would take years to find a vocalist anywhere near that caliber. So that that was a bit of a realization. But um, I played in a couple local bands in Fort Collins after that, and then I got an offer to um, play with a band in Pennsylvania. All my friends had moved to Los Angeles. A lot of guys were going to the Musicians Institute, and all—it seemed like all the guys that I had been around and playing with for a few years all decided to go to LA. And I got this offer to go to to Pennsylvania. So you're going the opposite direction. 
I went the opposite direction. <laughs> you know, one of the things was all my friends are living in LA, like six guys to an apartment sharing like, you know, four packets of ramen and two cans of tuna oh, every and bologna, week. right? Oh, Be- man. Yeah, and bologna between the six of them. And I was able to uh, to get hooked up with a job right away, so I, I never had to, like, skip any meals. <laughs> That's good. But, but I did play in a bunch of bands out there, and it was a really cool thing because it's such a, a densely populated area. And the, the city that I lived in had um, factory work going on three shifts. You know, Harley Davidson, Caterpillar, York International, all these big, big factories. And so there was a lot, there was tons of opportunity to play. I would play gigs on a Friday morning for the third shift people that had just gotten off. And that was their FAC was to show up at the bar at nine o'clock on Friday morning and, you know, drink a few pitchers of beer and they'd have strippers on the, on the, uh, on our break. Oh boy. Which, you know, we'd play from nine to noon or something. And there'd be a stripper 1030 in the morning and in the harsh light of day, sometimes that's not not as uh <laughs> not as enticing as right. it might might have been yeah two in and, the morning right i feel you <laughs> yeah, yeah right it's just it was just such a weird thing to, to be around people that were partying that hard at 10 in the morning but um i got to play a lot while i was out there got in a in a band that eventually um had some management and we we did some we, we never really did an entire tour but we did do dates with zach wilds pride and glory and we did dates with Kicks, opening for them, following their tour bus in our van. We thought that was a pretty big deal. Oh time. yeah, oh yeah. Obviously, Pride and Glory was just a one-off, but I still really admire Zach. And Kicks is still, still at it too. Oh wow. Now, so, what year? Uh, like what? What? Like what time era was this when you were doing the, the Pennsylvania thing? I was in Pennsylvania from 1987 to 1997. So ten years, man. You were out in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, yeah. or Pennsylvania, yeah. I should say, yeah. Wow. And I, uh, I eventually just like homesickness finally got to me. Okay. And I decided I just, you know, for, I, I'm sure like a lot of people that leave home and leave their, their hometown, they think they're, uh, they've outgrown it. But after 10 years, I realized, wow, I, I grew up in paradise and I didn't even realize how good I had it as a, as a youngster growing up in Fort Collins, Colorado. So I was glad to move back home yeah. and, uh, I immediately hooked up with the guy that I'd been playing with in high school. He was recording an album. So him and I started working on that and we tried to find a bass player. We put out some uh, inquiries and one of them that came was my wife, Sherry. Oh she, yes. She was she was the bass player we picked that, that year and um, her and I hit it off really well and we just had a musical relationship for about a year and then both of us um, had been going through a divorce and we just uh, fell in and it's been 25 years that we've been married and, and wow. playing in bands together that's awesome man huge blessing dude i can't even tell you so so many of my my musician friends are um have have dealt with you know a patient wife but a wife that's not a musician right totally different yeah totally eventually there there's a cutoff point where <laughs> past this there's not going to be you're, you know there's there's no returns after uh stretching it too thin with the wife and i know a lot of musicians that's eventually why they end up like dialing it down a little bit or just quitting altogether because the wife's had enough yeah. but i've never had that problem my wife understands the the affliction that i have and she still plays in a band with me we have a, a foreigner tribute that we do together that band's been together for six years and we play about a dozen shows a year playing sturgis wow. every year nice so that's been a huge blessing in my life for sure nice now 
So you came back in 97, you met, you met the wife, you started a band. So I met you in 2001. You were playing, um, you, you guys were playing Archers, and I was the security guy there. And I remember you uh, always being the, the vocalist. Are, do you still do vocals primarily, or um, are you just like focusing on drums these days? Most of the bands I play in, I sing in every band, but, but I'm not the singer in any of the bands I'm currently doing. Okay. Um, I have uh, several bands, like I have a Foreigner tribute and a Boston tribute that I'm part of, and both those bands have tons of harmonies, and that's that's one thing I've always loved is is being able to harmonize with good singers. Okay. So nice. I, I kind of get my yah-yahs on the vocal thing that way. <laughs> yah-yahs, I like that. That's a good term. It's funny that you mentioned that because, you know, at that time, uh, we, we decided lead singer disease was, was chronic, and we just didn't want to deal with the lead singer, so that's why I ended up singing from behind the drums makes sense well it's less ego right like you don't have to deal less, with the ego less ego yeah less brain damage <laughs> less brain damage i like that sure. that's good all right so have you ever in your career gotten to play with uh you know a really big i know you said jeff scott soto and i know that he was mm -hmm. like he's huge right like i mean his vocals yeah. and his like he toured with journey for what like eight nine years something uh -huh. like that um right. besides him have you gotten to play with any uh like go on tour have you ever toured like with anybody or even toured like nationally or internationally in your career i haven't toured nationally or internationally um i've toured regionally i played in a country band for uh four or five years let's see this was like 2010 to 2015 era okay and we we traveled quite a bit and opened for a ton of national acts that me not really being a country guy um i my bandmates would be completely excited that we're going to open for this guy. And I'd be like, don't tell me who this guy is. Right. I don't know so who I, he is, I, right? Yeah. Yeah, right. So I got, a, I got a great education on who's who in country music by doing that for a few years. Nice, um, man. The bands I played in in Denver have gotten to open for a ton of, of, of you know, national acts. One of my most favorite is Firefall, which is a Colorado band. Yes. Yeah, they're from Boulder, right? They are. Okay, I thought they were, so. They were really big in the 70s, and we played with them a couple of times. And that's just a band I always loved, so that was a big deal for me. And one of the bands I played in, we actually had Jock Bartley, who's the guitar player from that band, come and join us on stage, and we played two Firefall songs. Nice. One night at the Oriental Theater, and that, that was kind of a big deal for me. That sure. A bucket list moment. I have a picture of him and I from that. That it kind of means a lot to me. That's awesome. All the drummers that you know are, you know, like you've gotten to hear over the years, like who is your biggest influence as far as drummers? Well, my my number one drummer always has been John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Oh, sure. He's a huge Led Zeppelin guy when I was a teenager, and he was the first one that really just just kind of sent me on my drumming path. Um, you know, I, I loved bands like Rush. Neil Peart was a huge influence. Alex oh, yeah. Van Halen was a huge influence. Um, you know, I'd, I'd mentioned Kiss earlier, and I realized by the time I'd played for a couple of years, oh, this drummer's not really as good as some of these other drummers. You know? <laughs> my, my fascination with that band after a couple of years kind of kind of waned, and I didn't I didn't gain an appreciation for them again until uh, in, in the 90s when I actually saw them in concert and um, kind of nostalgia kicked in and I decided I loved them again 
And I did actually get to do a Kiss tribute band for five years up until uh, this May. We played our last gig this past May in Denver. But we played about eight or ten shows a year as a Kiss tribute, and that was so much fun. Was that with uh, Paul Trinidad on guitar? He did play with us a couple times. Um, we we played. We went to Seattle and played a couple gigs a few times. And he went. He traveled with us because our our local guy was a male guy. He was having a hard time getting time off to go out of town. But yeah, I have played with Paul Trinidad with with uh, Romero a few times too. Yeah, he was uh, he was part of Love Forty Five for a long time. So I remember mm-hmm. seeing pictures a few years back with you guys. Um, dressed up in the kiss gear, and you guys were po- opposing right. on Facebook. So yeah, that, I'd right. jog some memory. But all right, so so you're playing with a a, a band um, with your wife. You said that um, you've done uh, like six years. You said a Journey tribute band, correct? Foreigner. Oh, Foreigner. I'm sorry, Foreigner. foreigner. My bad. No my bad. Yeah. Uh, okay. So have you ever uh, have you ever recorded original music? Have you ever written original music? I have. Um, I've been in several original projects. Um, Sherry and I had a, a band called Wall of Dogs that we did for eight years. We released two CDs of original music. Nice. And I played in Michael Morrow and the Culprits for uh, about five or six years up until, wow. um, let me think about that, up until 2020. And I'm on two of his CDs too. Oh, nice! Yeah, he's good, man. Band. He's good. Yeah, he is. He's really good. Yeah, great songwriter for sure. He, the country band I played with um, released an album and got quite a bit of local airplay at the time, which was was kind of a big deal for us. Um, you know, the the rock bands that I'd been involved with, it, it seemed like all those bands were older and not not current. So. Um, when I was in the country band, all of a sudden we were current and cool, and we got played on like KYGO and some of the local country stations up this way. And it was it was a really cool thing to be able to be coming home from work and flip on the radio and hear your song. That so that's, that's that was a kind of a big deal. That's like success, man, in in the in the most subtle way, right? I mean, you could collect yeah. a fat check and your music is garbage, or you know, you're driving home and you flip the radio and you're like, <laughs> "That's me!" Hey, and you pull up to the light and you're yeah. like, "Hey, hey, check it out! I'm on the radio!" <laughs> yeah, 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 for that's, sure. Um, it's, it, it, it's you know, it's it's an artistically satisfying thing to have happen. I mean, I never never made a ton of money playing music, but I've been blessed to be able to have that as part of my living for you know 30 years sure sure okay a couple questions uh, first one is what is the biggest show you've ever played uh in your career well let's see um probably opening for kicks in 1990 90 or 91 somewhere around there and playing for a crowd of 7500 that's the biggest crowd i've ever been in front of nice that's a that's a good amount of people, man. That's that's a lot of ears to hear you. That's awesome. Okay, I got to play. I got to play with. Um, there's a, a cat from Denver, Romero, Chris Romero. He's been in oh a yeah, popular bands. But he was doing his original thing, and he he would hire me for various things. And I got to uh, play at the Paramount Theater in Denver, opening for Tesla with him, which was kind of a cool deal for me because that's yeah. one of my favorite venues. And just getting to to be on that stage you know i'd seen so many concerts there to just see it from the stage view was, was a pretty awesome thing funny story about the paramount i worked for uh when the pepsi center was still the pepsi center i worked for Cronky for two years and uh he owns the paramount and so that was part of our security detail daily was to go over there 
And then when COVID hit, it was such a, um, it would like we had to literally go over there twice a day, like, you know, day shift and then uh, mid shift. And so we're in there all alone. And if anybody that's ever been to the Paramount knows that that building's built in like 1901. So you go through that place and you talk about uh, somebody, like the feeling of somebody watching you or following you around. And we would go into the bowels of it down in the green room. And man, I'm telling you, bro, there was some freaky moments like noises and voices and crazy stuff about that venue. So, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I uh, I broke the floor there. You broke the floor. Yeah, man. So funny story. 2005, April. Toby Mac was on his Diverse City tour. He came through with Hawk Nelson, Audio A, and Cutlass. I had gotten pit tickets for that show. The orchestra pit uh, was in the floor still. Like there was, they, they had right. fixed it. I think probably because I broke it. But in the middle of a show, I'm I'm jumping up and down on the on the floor right where the orchestra pit entrance was, and uh, I broke the hinges. Almost clean off. I mean, I'm a big dude, right? So yeah, right. right. But yeah, so yeah, that was uh, that was my moment of fame in the Paramount. But that's awesome, dude. Open it for Tesla. That's dope. Pretty cool. Yeah, and I've gotten to do that a couple of times. And and Romero had some great connections. He he hooked us up with a bunch of of opening acts for various bands. We played with Bush, and we we opened for Joan Jett, and. there's another one in there that I'm forgetting but he's since moved to Nashville and he's doing really well there now but uh, he had a, a huge local presence for a long time with a bunch of different bands and so that was cool and I you know it was like a feather in my cap to be hired by somebody that I kind of already admired what they were doing you know very nice have them call me up and say hey man you want to work together it's like yeah i do right like an honor absolutely of course yeah Yeah, well i mean sure so okay so what would you say is your favorite venue of all the venues that you've played over or in over the years what would you say is your favorite venue yeah, there's a lot of venues that I play regularly. Places like the Buffalo Rose is a good venue. I enjoy playing at the Oriental Theater. There's a lot of a lot of great, great theaters in the region. But I would have to say that the Paramount is probably the coolest for me that I've nice. been playing. That's awesome. You know, Red Rocks is definitely a bucket list thing. Sure. You know, um, for all of us that that grew up around these parts and and people elsewhere too. You know, I mean, Red Rocks is world famous, but I've never actually gotten to play there, but that is on my bucket list. Nice. It's funny you say Red Rocks because uh, I I interviewed Vince Converse a few weeks ago and I asked oh. him the same question: uh, "What's your favorite venue?" And you know, if you know anything about that guy, he's been all over the world, played in so many different big venues, and uh, he's from Texas. But his favorite venue that he said was Red Rocks because he said, "Man, this just got a, you know, it's just got that essence. It's." It's unique yeah. and it's kind of a one of a kind thing. So yeah, Red Rocks. I would love to play Red Rocks. That would be, I agree, a bucket list. I'm not from here either, but um, definitely would be a venue bucket list for myself as well. So for sure, dig it. Yeah, that's an awesome place. All right, so you have a uh, is it a foundation? Is it a charity? What? Tell me about your uh, drumming up hope. Tell me about that. It, well, I, it's a nonprofit. We we throw a few events every year to. Um, to assist good causes that that uh you know it's any, anything that that moves me i i pitch out i pitch out as much help towards it as i can 
for a few years we did a drumathon for uh, St. Jude 2016, 17, and 18. We did those drumathons. I remember those. That, yes, that that was held at Thunder Mountain Amphitheater in Loveland. And all three years we broke the current world record for group drumming. Wow! Only to only to have it bested within a month or two. Oh, really? Oh. So the first time we, we played for 62 hours, the seven second time we played for eight, uh, 72 hours straight, and in 2018 we went eight, 82 hours straight. Wow. That's crazy. Like, different drummers, different drum sets. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had about a dozen drum sets on the stage. Um, there were times, especially during the days when guys were all playing together, but the beat never stopped for 82 hours. People would sign up for an hour sh hourly shift, and as soon as one guy would conclude, another guy would start. So it just we kept that racket up for 82 straight hours. Oh wow! And it was a, it, it was racket. an amazing experience. <laughs> I like the term but, racket. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's it's an amazing cacophony to hear a dozen drum sets playing on a concrete stage together. Right. And um, we're gonna revive that probably next year. Since then, we've done stuff like. Um, Oh, we've done some benefits for people like there's been a couple of police officers that were killed in the line of duty. We've done events to raise money for families and things like that. We we shut down the venue in Denver here recently and raised a bunch of money for uh, Food Bank of the Rockies. Okay. We had 12 bands play all day long on a Sunday. People came and donated and uh, we raised... $3,500 to um, donate to the Food Bank of the Rockies this year. That's huge. That's humongous, man. And, and I just had um, a toy drive in Johnstown this past weekend and had four musical acts play. And I've got a van load of toys out here in my driveway that I'm going to be drinking tomorrow. Oh, you got a Santa. big truckload of toys. going to go be Santa. I like that, man. That's, uh, that's man, dope. I love being Santa. Such <laughs> a cool thing. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Sweet. All right. So, uh, where do you see yourself uh, as far as continuing music? What, you know, do you have any goals? Or are you just enjoying the moment and playing, you know, where it kind of leads you? Do you have any, you know, dreams of uh, recording a record and making it big, or you just enjoy what you do? Um, at this point, and at my age, I'm just really in living in the moment with all this stuff. As far as like really super long-term goals or, or big dreams like that, I, I I had them, believe me, for years. Oh sure. And, and I just have gotten to the point where, you know, I feel, I feel artistically satisfied with the stuff that I get to do. And um, honestly, I just feel really blessed to be able to, to still be relevant. If somebody would have told me that at my age, so I, I turned 58 years old in November. Holy cow, you look good for 58, bro, for sure. Well, I appreciate, I appreciate that. But, you know, there's a lot of people in my age group that, that stopped playing like 10 years ago. And I, I just feel blessed that I, I still feel physically strong and can still mash a drum drum kit pretty good. And Yeah. Pe you know, people still seek me out to, to play with their band and stuff like that. So um, I, I guess my goal is just to remain relevant and to continue to use the gift of music to glorify something besides you know when we were younger it was all about look at me look at me and, and it started to feel like a real ego thing at one point yeah. and so it was it was a great thing for me to get the drumming up hope thing going 
and use that gift towards a purpose that that really means something and can help people rather than just the glorification of one's little ego you know what i mean i do yes so that that has been huge for me and since i started doing that um a lot of people have taken notice and pitched in i i get calls from people all the time wanting to help out or donate or you know be a part of an event so that's been a huge blessing for me the the thing with the the charities and the benefits is you you kind of get to see the best of human nature in those circumstances because everybody brings their best self to those events. Agreed. It's it's, it, it's been a thing that's really helped restore my, you know, continually restores my faith in humanity because it it gets to a low point every once in a while and then I I'm reminded how many um, great generous talented loving people there are in the world by doing this kind of these kind of events so that that helps keep me on the on the beam nice so do you have any big shows that uh, you're going to be playing or wanting to promote for the new year well let's see the new the one that I'm really looking forward to April 22nd we are going to play at the Paramount Theater with The Long Run which is Nagel's tribute okay that band sort of started the trend of the tribute bands in this region. They've been at it for for longer than anybody else, for the most part, and and they tour nationally. They've they've got quite a quite a thing going. But they've taken a shine to to my ZZ Top tribute, which is now let's see, it'll be two years old in January. And we've played a ton of shows, and um, we're going to be playing that show in April at the uh, Paramount, which is. You know, like we talked earlier, it's just such a cool venue. It's a, it's a big deal for me to get to go in there and make music in that setting. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome, brother. Well, hey, man, it was really good talking with you today. And uh, do you have a website or any place that people can check out your music beyond, you know, just coming to see you live? Um, I, I guess I really don't at this point. I have, you know, I'm on Facebook. That's becoming less and less of a relevant way to connect with people. It seems to be. Yes, I agree. All of us have had these, you know, we had, a, I had my, I, I had a profile 12 years and it got uh, disabled, hacked and disabled oh. and I was uh, unable to get back into it. So I lost oh. a lot of pictures and oh, a lot man. of recordings and stuff, which is kind of a bummer. But um, I, I post a, mostly my Facebook stuff is about the music stuff. Okay. And there's a, there's a drumming up hope Colorado also on Facebook and okay. we post events on there. Awesome. Well, brother, it was awesome, like I said, to talk with you today, and uh, I'd love to come out and see um, one of your shows here coming up. Also, uh, I have a recording studio here in my house, and there is an eight-piece Pearl Forum drum kit set up as we speak, and Ooh. I love having drummers come in and, uh, you know, sit down and, and, you know, beat on them. So if you're ever interested in coming and, you know, laying some tracks for a song, I would love to, uh, you know, have you come in and, and do that, so... Um, I'd love to be involved with it. I, I'd really get off on the recording studio vibe for sure. For sure. Well, sweet man, uh, we're out of time today, but um, yeah, you can check out drumminguphope.com, right? Or is it .org? Drumming Up Hope Colorado Oh I'm sorry Drumming Up Hope Colorado Check that out uh, Anyone that's interested In maybe signing up Next year For the uh, event Or any event Or just coming to Check out Tim And his bands uh, Go check that out Go check him out Tim Elliott On Facebook uh, You can always Leave him questions And comments I'm sure he would Love to get feedback From people For sure So it was awesome Today thank you Tim My pleasure brother 
Tim is a sick drummer, an awesome musician, a good friend. That was a blessing to have him come on and talk about his life and his music journey. His wife is an amazing artist as well. Their band, Wall of Dogs, is uh, played for a while. I got to see them years back, and so that is a fun show to go check out. So anyone interested in seeing some live music, go check out Wall of Dogs. Now, next week, we have a local vocalist. Her name is Asha Blaine. She is an amazing, talented vocalist, songwriter here in the Denver area. She let me come into her home and video her telling me about her music journey and her life. She's got some twists and turns within that story, so stay tuned for that. You've been listening to TK's A Brigade. You can find it on every major platform, Anchor, Spotify, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio. Like, share, subscribe, leave a comment or a question. Love you, people. Until next time, take it easy.